Welcome back, y'all, to episode 102 of the Zachary Wingate Podcast, where we go 365 days bringing you a podcast every single day. Nothing is off the table. The intention of this podcast is to master the short-form podcast, bringing you information within 15 to 20 minutes, information that's entertaining as well as helpful. So sit back, relax, and listen, and enjoy as we get into it. Alrighty, exciting. So today is just like any other day here at the Zachary Wingate Podcast Show. We're getting into a couple topics that I would like to kind of address, potentially topics of the day. Wow, I cannot believe how FTX is still in the news and the stories get weirder and weirder. Next is Xi Jinping looking down Justin Trudeau. Now, a lot of people are talking about this as some type of of um, disrespect. It's been really, really interesting to see. And how well do we think the United States is going to do in the World Cup? So let's get into it. Okay, kind of keeping up and informing from FTX. The story just keeps getting crazier and crazier. Now, potentially, there could be liability held for the spokesmen of FTX. Um, liability for all the individuals who were a part of it and actually ran that $17 million Super Bowl commercial last year. We have Tom Brady and Giselle potentially being held liable. Um, lawyers indicate that there could be litigation based upon whenever you are a spokesman for a brand, you can be held liable for what the brand does. Legal action could be brought forth to Tom Brady as well as Giselle, Stefan Curry, Larry Davis, and Mr. Wonderful, and the list goes on. So potentially seeing what happens. There's even rumors indicating that Tom Brady and Giselle got a divorce as a result of this breakdown. And if you look at the timeline and the transitions of FTX during August, it looks pretty, it looks like there could be com- consistency with this. Also, rumors of a potential sex tape coming out with it. Very interesting how the stories just seem to snow blow. I kind of actually made a tweet about this today. I keep talking about this story because it's almost like it's the gift that keeps on giving. Here we are talking about it. And they, the CEO from Enron is now, you know, whenever Enron went bankrupt, they brought in a new, I'm sorry, um, I think it's F, FSO, not the that's something else. Um, I think they brought in the new financial, the chief financial officer, the CFO, yeah, to come in and help um, FTX mitigate this disastrous bankruptcy, you know, something that I guess Enron actually had originally, but it really equates spending wise, like the sheets weren't there, the bookings weren't there, the way they kept records is just insane. And it's almost like handing a young kid a corporate card and they're just spending and spending and spending with real no justification or understanding of what's happening. There was even instances where people didn't even know who worked for FTX, who was a contractor, who was regular, 
the hiring process, and they didn't keep copious notes on spending. So they were all over the place, and it's really coming to a head, but kind of going into the litigation issues, if you think about how the celebrities really helped this company and the things they did for it, it's kind of really pushing it out there. Okay, I will keep you informed for more stories on FTX. For me, it's just been interesting to follow it. And a little bit insane um, seeing the nightly news starting to roll with it, starting to pick it up, I think, as the story gets more interesting. But what I really realized about the nightly news is I'm normally not watching it, and I've been staying with some family, and I've been watching NBC's nightly news, and they really just keep talking about Ticketmaster, Taylor Swift, and if there's any issues with celebrities, like they don't hesitate to pick up the story. So that's been kind of a weird thing I've never really noticed before about how the news seems to be really picking up pop culture information more than what's going on in the world. So kind of getting into the next topic at hand, um, Justin Trudeau and Xi Jinping. So there's a viral video currently going out indicating a conversation they had. Um, and a lot of people are saying looking at the body language and the communication as well as what was said. You know, no telling what's going to happen with Chinese-Canadian relationships. Obviously, Canada is a small country. I'll get into some details later about maybe potentially purchasing um, and where they are as trade partners. But from a body language standpoint, um, you know, there was conversations up with Xi Jinping and Justin Trudeau about how they potentially talked. Justin Trudeau was Justin Trudeau was indicating, hey, you know, let's carry on this conversation we were having. And Xi Jinping looked at him and was upset and saying, you leaked our conversations to the Canadian media. And I don't think that was the best situation. Justin Trudeau replied, our media conversations are open in Canada and I would like to be transparent. And then you kind of see Xi Jinping waving him off as it walks away. Now, I really don't think it's something too crazy, but when you do watch it, it is pretty cringeworthy because Justin Trudeau is leaning in and Xi Jinping is just kind of like his body language is in control. And you look at the conversation from a body language standpoint, Xi Jinping is, it's almost like he's like, what, you know, as, as Canada, like, what do you have to offer me? You know, Chinese Canadian relations have been kind of rough because, um, they did, they did hold on to a potential spy that the USA hold them to ask them to hold on to and she was working with um Wanway. So there's some interesting topics coming up there, but I really wanted to use this opportunity to bring up kind of what is going on with Chinese Canadian relations. But I honestly think when we look at the image of Xi Jinping um kind of understanding the chairman's perspective you know, he has really command of the media. If you look through a lot of pictures, data, information on him, he's always able to hold his composure in such a way that makes him look like he's in control. Um, and I think you have to really credit his ability to have, I don't know if that's a natural disposition or if he's been trained that way, but his command of the media is something that can really be, you know, it's 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 probably helped him a lot, you know, and within the G20 summit, there's been a lot of conversations, and if the more he smiles, you can kind of indicate it. Him and Biden had talks, and the pictures, the photo op looked good. I don't, it's a photo op, but how do we really know um, 
what it means. But in terms of Canadian-Chinese relations, I'd say it's decent. I mean, they've had diplomatic relations dating back to the 70s. They've had a, you know, they've considered Beijing to be the capital of China. Um, and they have embassies within Chongqing, Guangzhou, Hangzhou, or Hong Kong, and Shanghai. So it's interesting that the Canadian government is indicating that Hong Kong is a part of China. It's something pretty interesting um, and going on from there. But, you know, looking at some of the trading, um, you know, Canadians must apply for visas in China. Currently, there's probably around 170,000 students within Canada studying, which is a big part of their relationship. Um, you know, looking at kind of the trade, there's a lot of agriculture, food products, which is pretty normal. Um, there's, you know, there's our trade agreements for partnerships set in place, you know, African Co-op, G20, International Civilian, Pacific Alliance, United Nations, you know, a lot of the classic stuff, I really don't know what is unique for U.S., I'm sorry, Canadian-Chinese relations, which is a really good question because, you know, Canada is the United States' number one trading partner, but when you look at it, I mean, it just makes you wonder what Canada and what China are getting out of the relations with each other. So if it's something like that with the leak, with the loss of trust, you know, the thing is, is within Chinese culture, losing face is a really big deal. So, you know, this relationship could be taking a potential turn, seeing how things go. So more to come on that. It could just be a whatever. But I do think looking at the banning of Wanwei within Canada um, probably created some type of rift between them. Wanwei is pretty popular throughout the world, but within a lot of different countries like the United States and Canada, we don't use it because it could potentially used for spies. So something really, really interesting. And, you know, it could just be a conversation. We'll see what happens with Chinese-Canadian relations. Okay, so the World Cup is next week. The United States plays Wales on Monday. Ecuador plays Qatar on the 21st. Kind of looking right now at who is most likely to win the World Cup. Um, looking at the percentage of statistic for the World Cup, we have Brazil as a 15.8% chance to win. We have Argentina as 12.6%. We have France at 122 We have Spain at 9.1%. England at 8.7%. Germany at 78 Netherlands at 72 Portugal at 5.8, Berlin at 5.4, and Denmark at 5.3. So those are kind of the top 10 teams to look like they're going to win um, the World Cup. Not quite, you know, so, but that's why we play it. But, you know, that's favor to win. So if you guys bet on Brazil, you're not doing anything truly unique. It's really, I kind of want to see, you know, the United States team is returning from an impossible group. Um, so kind of breaking into different groups. The World Cup um, breaks teams down into to four different groups. Um, within the first group is Group A, and that's where you have Qatar, Ecuador, and the Netherlands, and Senegal. Um, the Netherlands being, you know, the favor of that group. Group B has England. Iran, the United States, and the European playoffs, Wales versus Ukraine soccer. Um, so England is obviously the favorite in Group B. 
looking at Group C, Argentina, Saudi Arabia, Mexico, and Poland. Argentina is considered to be the favorite there. Group D has the France in intercontinent play one, Peru, Ver, Peru versus UAE, and Tunisia, and Denmark. That'll be a pretty tough one. Group E has Spain, Costa Rica, New Zealand, Germany, and Japan. Um, group F has Berlin, Canada, Morocco, Croatia, and then Group G has Brazil, Serbia, Switzerland, Cameroon. Group H has Portugal, Ghana, Ukraine, Korea, Korea Public. And those are kind of the groups within it. So I think kind of it'll be interesting for a couple of the teams getting into it. I think that, in my ultimate opinion, um, we'll see what happens. You know, we'll be rooting for the United States, obviously. Um, it's kind of cool to make it to the World Cup, but we'll see if they can make it out of Group B. They're really not considered a favorite. I think that 2018 was probably considered the rebuilding year. But, you know, it's going to be fun. It's kind of a fun time of year sports, especially because we'll be watching the World Cup leading up to Christmas, which because of COVID, it kind of changed. So, you know, other than that, it's going to be a really interesting time of the year. Thank you guys for listening and enjoy your weekend and weekend. Uh, enjoy your weekday. We'll talk to you Friday leading into the weekend. Thank you all for listening. We'll talk to you later.